Turn Up The Talk would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is recorded on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge their connection to lands, waters, and community. We honour and recognise the wisdom, compassion, strength, and resilience of elders and the stories they share with us in hope for greater understanding and care for the lived experiences of First Nations community in Australia country. Turn up the talk podcast, tackling mental health together. Maddie Studden, welcome to Turn Up The Talk. How are you going today? Thank you for having me. I'm going really well, thank you. How are you? Very well, thanks. Drewy, how are you? I'm great. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, I am. I am. So you've just finished up the Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership where you came down to the wire, didn't it? A, a gold, was it in Golden Point or was it just the field yeah, goal? Yeah, everything. Golden Point. It was all going on, Extra eh? time, everything. Wow. Yep. Um, nah, it was an unbelievable game. I think that game will go down as one of the best Harvey Norman's grand final. Um, both teams were... Um, unreal. Like I can't really fault each team. Like, um, I'm just so proud of my girls. Um, we dug all the way to the, all the way to the end. It was a bit of a roller coaster year. And, but to end it with that game, even though we did lose, um, by one point, um, yeah, it could have gone either way, but yeah, it's devastating. And I think I'm still hurting as well. I could imagine. (laughs) So obviously women's NRL and women's sport in general is, is growing. Who were your role models in that sporting world growing up? Did you have any? Yeah, well, obviously, because I was a bit younger, I didn't know much about the women's uh, rugby league. So I didn't even know back then when I was young, like there was a Gillaroos team or there was New South Wales and it was called Interstate Challenge back then. So um, when I was growing up, I didn't have any female idols because I didn't know females played. So my idols were the boys like Jonathan Thurston and Cooper Cronk. Um, So, yeah. And then once the girls started, obviously there was Karen Murphy when I knew there was um, Gillaroos. So, yeah, watching Karen Murphy and then the likes of like Sammy Bremner, because I'm a bit younger than her, just going through the World Cup and everything, watching them. And yeah, I'd, I'd say them because that's where my journey started from there. Yeah. So if I said to you, I'd say 10 years old, you'd play NRL women's, you'd captain New South Wales to a victory. You'd win the Nellie Doherty medal, sorry if I pronounce that wrong, which is the man of the match in the, in the state of origin, and you'd win a, a World Cup with the Gillaroos. What would you say to me? Uh, I'm pretty speechless about it. Like, I wouldn't expect it at all because I didn't know that I could do that at that, at that age. So, um, yeah, I'm very proud looking back now, um, and it's fantastic where the women's game is going and um, for me to achieve that much already, um, it's unbelievable. And, yeah, I have a long way to go still and I can't wait. A lot of athletes have a moment where they think, yeah, this is for me. Can you recall that moment? Was it something someone said? Um, there's probably so many. I, I remember when um, there was like the Illawarra competition and that's when us girls first, like myself and Sammy Bremner, actually first knew that there was a state of origin because um, the coach of the state of origin at that, that time then, um, he mentioned if we wanted to come and tr- uh, trial for state of origin and we're like, what? Well, we didn't even know there was a state of origin. <laughs> so I think in that point of time of my career, I'm like, okay, this could be something and the women's game is going somewhere. And then 2018 was when the NRL announced there was going to be an NRLW. So I think those are the points that it started and that's where it's like, wow, this could be something special in the women's game, which it surely is. Um, and it's still semi-professional, but I reckon in a couple of years it will be full-time professional. So what's that like then? So you're semi-professional. So 
technically you are a professional athlete, right? To the to the plain eye, you're a professional athlete, but you're working a full time or a part time job on the side. What's it like balancing that? Yeah, well, I'm pretty lucky how I balance my life. I've got a really good job outside of football as well. Um, even though, yes, we are semi-professional, we train and act like we are full professional. And um, I, like very, there's so much out there for the women's game and I guess like us working on the side as well. Um, I'm very lucky to work at the Sydney Fairy, I Transdev Sydney Fairies. So um, I'm just a casual out there just so I can juggle rugby league as well. But um, yeah, I, I got one of the best jobs and I know there's girls out there with full-time workers and they balance it and then there's mothers as well. So um, with my job, it's pretty cruisy. They're very supportive um, and they love rugby league just as much. And so I know all the guys out there and they always talk about footy. Like I go go to work and it's about <laughs> football. So no, I'm very lucky and um, yeah, I love my job and then working um, as a footy player as well. So yeah. You said that. So 2018, it got uh, the NRLW got brought in. How have you found the changing perceptions over the last few years? Obviously, crowds get bigger every year. Uh, it's more competitive. Like, how have you found that as from a support point of view? Yeah, it's been um, fantastic. Um, obviously, uh, we know like we go to the stadiums now and we're not going to get full out um, uh, crowds, but we can hear them and it's so good. Like, even though we on the field and you don't pay attention, then you come off and there's actually so many people, even though in those big stadiums, there's actually so many people. Um, and we're just so thankful. Um, people want to come support us. And I always get, I always hear like guys talk about like the women's game saying it's more, like, it's exciting. Like they would rather watch that. It's like they want to watch that more than men's these days. And um, for us to hear that, it's like, oh, like we even got the men's support as well now, so which is fantastic. But um, yeah, even... Uh, I think because the pathways coming through, there's so much talent coming through and there's so much excitement, the young ones that are like putting it out there for rugby league. So um, yeah, everyone loves to come out and watch us now, which is really great. I think a breakthrough would have been that origin at North Sydney Oval yeah, on the brilliant. Friday night yeah. and it was yeah. packed out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think that was one of the moments where people were like, yeah, wow, like this is where yeah. it should be. Has anyone like from the NRL, NRLW contacted you about the pathways? Like have they ever got a player's perspective about what they need to do? to sort of align it or has it just sort of been they're just it's still a progressing type deal I definitely like there is definitely um girls out there that do push it like we're all pushing and then there's um players that pave the way and that's why we're here now so we're very grateful in that sense but I know there's the rugby league play association group and there's players in that now are really pushing forward for what the women's um game needs and especially the pathway and now there is a pathway for the young girls coming through like when I was playing I had to stop at 12 and now those young girls are at 12. They can just keep going to like 14, yeah. 16s and then, then there's Tasha Gale. So, and then the open. So there's definitely, it's definitely improved and um, it's making a difference. And I know there's been players that have been pushing that. It reminds me a lot like old school rugby league watching the, the female game. I feel like that you're not afraid to play. It's, yeah. it's not as structured as NRL now is very, very structured. And you watch games from, obviously, we didn't grow up watching the 80s and whatnot, but you see highlights and stuff, and it was a lot more unstructured. They just wanted mm. to to whack each other, to be honest. Yeah. And I feel like that's a lot like the, the women's game is at the moment. Yeah, literally, that's exactly how every guy explains yeah. how they watch the women's game. I'm like, yes, it's pretty like, it's not like ab lib, but it's just so different. It's not as much structure, even though we do try and like put a little structure, like shapes and everything yeah. in there. But I know like I, even with the wrestling and the slowing down, yeah, exactly. there's not that much in the women's game. So, um, yeah, which is more exciting. It's fast. It's fast out there. There's big hits. There's um, fantastic tries as well. So, um, yeah, that's definitely like how people see it for sure. <laughs> it was funny watching that um, the Bulldogs-Rabbits game the other day and um, 
who was the halfback for the Bulldogs? Burden? Or? No, Flanagan. Oh, Flanagan, and the last three times I've played, he's just gone at Cody Walker. Yeah. Oh, and Cody Walker just can't handle it. Is that like? Is there a lot of niggle? Is there final? Is there a lot of sort of sledging going on in the match? Um, not that much in the women's game. Okay. In the Cronulla and Tigers game, yes, there was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was probably the most um niggling like game um on the weekend, but um. I don't know. I think that there's so much respect with all the women's and like we played, some of us have played with each other so many times and then others have, but yeah, there definitely is some like sledging out there, but not as bad as the men. And yeah. um, like, obviously there is aggression and stuff, but after the games, I think cause like all the women are such like good mates off the field, it, it, it comes back to that as well. Do you realize the influence you have now on young people, both men and women, but particularly you were saying, you know, there wasn't really anyone for you to look up to. When you were growing up, do you realize the impact you have on people now and especially young females? Yeah, and it's such a privilege as well because obviously like even young boys um, coming up yeah, and definitely. even messaging saying you're my idol and for like boys especially as well. So it's um surprising and it's very, yeah, a proud moment as well. Um, but yeah, with even the young girls and even like um, parents saying like, you, you are literally our idol, like even for our daughters coming through and um, you're paving the right way and you, we have so much respect for you and we can't wait for your daughters to be be like you. So to hearing all those kind of messages um, is definitely so supportive and um, so like, yeah, very, very nice feeling, that's for sure. We were speaking just before we came on about the steps the NRL needs to take to professionalise women's game fully. Um, but so along with the services, so men's teams obviously have a well-being, mental health sort of professionals around their setups. Does the, does the women's game have anything like that? Yeah. So we have um, well-being um, people in each team as well. So um, yeah, they're very helpful and they really work around like obviously well-being, like of health and stuff. And if you need anything, like if you need to um, work courses, studying, work, um, they're really out there to help you as well. So um, yeah, definitely in the women's game that is growing and um, I, I know it will get stronger as well, but they're very supportive. And um, yeah, if you they if you ever need a chat, they're there definitely. So on the on the topic of wellness and the mental side of things, I know you've done a lot of charity fundraisers and and things like that to support mental health organisations. What's your mental health journey been like growing up? Yeah, um, growing up, I was yeah pretty pretty sweet. Like I was pretty happy outgoing and everything. Still am happy and outgoing, but um, <laughs> there's definitely, um, especially in the sporting industry, um, it's a roller coaster. Um, my career has been a roller coaster. Um, there's been ups and down and, um, but yeah, I've been in a few charities and but the ones I've been to, obviously like the suicide prevention ones, um, yep. I've been to a couple of them and then obviously passing of my cousin, she passed away from suicide prevention, so uh, from suicide. So yeah, definitely getting behind all that mental health and um, suicide prevention is where we definitely need to raise awareness and um, yeah, I can do, I do whatever I can to help that area and even myself, I go through some like battles in myself, like with depression and up and down just with the sport as well. So um, it definitely gets to you but um if you have a people around you in your circle it definitely helps so you just mentioned your cousin there in july 2019 she died by suicide what was that like i know you guys were super close you explained to her like your little sister like the sister you never had yeah can you share if you were comfortable about that stage of your life yeah that was probably the most worth of the the worst time of my life um and i, I just remember the day um I was actually, I just got to Queensland and I got a call off my family and, um, yeah, they said the bad news and, um, I, I just couldn't believe it. Your world comes down like no other, like you do hear about suicide and, 
I know like she had two mates who passed away of suicide a couple of weeks before her and she was telling me about it. And But until you, you know a family member who has passed away of suicide, you don't know the effect to it. Like people talk about it and they said how bad it is and everything, but it is the worst thing and I don't wish it on anyone's family. Um, but, yeah, she was a very bubbly, happily girl. Yeah, like that that time of the, and it's actually coming up is her third uh, anniversary. So, yeah, but it's definitely um, – it still obviously is hard for our family. You never move on from that. Of course, Definitely yeah. you never move on from it and especially suicide. You're, the questions are always there, especially why and why did you do it and everything. But, yeah, our family is um, going good. We're a very supportive family. We're always there for each other. So, um, yeah, obviously just help each other to go through it. But, yeah, suicide's a, a thing that it's hard and you don't know how the like the awareness. Like it's really hard. Yeah. I remember saying that and I think obviously as her age when she passed, I think – a young people we do it very well to a degree is that we sort of celebrate the life that was obviously there's mourning involved but I think we're very good to sort of celebrate and recognize the good times what what got you through that that period was it celebrating talking with people what sort of helped you through that time yeah well personally for me like when I go through a hard time I've realized that I shut off and I shut down and like I just don't want to be around anyone um but I knew when, like, because obviously then it's her birthday straight after, um, like, when she passed away. So then we had her birthday and then it was Christmas time. So we had those straight after each other. And I think, yes, it is a celebration. And those, we just, like, after a year passed, we decided we got to celebrate her because she wouldn't want us to be down and depressed and sad and everything. She's <laughs> She was a party of the life, the life of the party. So, um, yeah, so now we do it for her and just being happy. And when we do have a drink, obviously we still have a little cry here and there, but um, we just know she's looking down on us and she wouldn't want us to be sad or anything. And everything I do personally for my, like, rugby league career, that's why I came that that year, it was probably the worst one, one of my worst years playing as well because my head wasn't right. But then this year it was like, obviously, and then last year was probably one of my best years I've had in rugby league because I was like, no, I'm gonna do it for her. I'm gonna make her proud. And yeah, that's why I always, every time I run out on that field, I'm playing for her, and it definitely makes a difference. We spoke with Greg Inglis about that a fact that you know going through off field stuff. Can you just sort of take us through that that mindset of, you know, not being yourself off the field and then having to sort of go on? Because it is a mask. And I think yep. people don't really understand that. And, you know, we we're just talking off air about the sort of the messages on Instagram and stuff mm. like that and sort of the hate messages. It's pretty really hard. And so how do you manage that when you, you're going through a pretty tough time? Yeah. And um, that's probably like really recent as well with me at the moment. Like, obviously, I'm going, going through a bit of a hard struggle at the moment with my football. Um just with like selection and everything, but and then there's the like there's journal people as well that had an article on me recently, and it's just all those things. But then I'm such a happy person. I always have a smile, and always, when I'm around my friends, I'm I don't want to be a downer. Like you, you just don't want to be a downer. Yeah. So, but then when I go home, I'm just like. I'm just in a dark place and you just like shut off and it's just like, well, what's the difference when I walk out of the door and you can smile, but definitely putting a face on, you definitely put a face on and, um, yeah, like I know rugby league is probably my savior because I love it so much. And when I go, go out on the field, I never want to let my teammates down or I don't want to let my fans or like family down. So yeah, I definitely been playing, um, Obviously, like the last couple of weeks has been really good and I've just been focusing on my football and 
sh- learning to shut off like the outside noise. Um, that's why with my Instagram and everything, sometimes I just delete the app, turn off the notifications and that's probably the easiest way. But um, yeah, I try and shut off and there's so many people out there as just keyboard warriors. Um, I know like high profile um, famous people, like, they'll get way more than what I do or what other athletes do. But um, yeah, it's just how you deal with it. And I think um, I'm still learning how to deal with it as well because yeah, it's pretty hurtful like what people say. And um, I just, yeah, they don't really have much on, they have a lot of time on their hands to be able to messaging people down, like not nice messages. Yeah. From a fake account. Exactly right. And they don't have profile pictures (laughs) on there. So I'm like, come on, be real or don't like, (laughs) but yeah, it definitely is um, a struggle. But I guess like I literally said to my mate yesterday when when I was at work, I was like, I've been at home the last three days and I've just been so down and I haven't left my room. And then I leave my room to go to work yesterday. And I was just so, I felt like I was just happy again in that moment. And I just needed to be outdoors. I just, and they say, just like surround yourself with people, make yourself busy. And that actually is so true. Make mm. yourself busy. And then you, if I, because if I stay home, I just think bobble it all up. I think about it all, like the downfalls and everything. But then I was out yesterday and I had a really fun day. And I'm like, I just need to get out of the house and be around people and do things. What's your support crew like? Yeah, I got a really good support crew. Uh, my family's there. I know. I annoy my family a fair bit because I'm like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. Push them away. I do push um, some people away because I just don't know how to talk and I feel embarrassed, which is I'm sure a lot of people do. But um, even my close mates, um, they know and they're always so supportive and um, talking. But, yeah, um, my family is really good and um, I just got a small circle and I think that's all you need as well. So dealing with grief and you said that all those thoughts, especially around suicide and, you know, people say things like, suicide is selfish. If mm-hmm. you say that, you've obviously never lived mm. through mental illness. You obviously yeah. don't understand. And again, generally it's someone on a fake account commenting on saying, saying suicide selfish. Yeah. Well, no, it's not because you don't know until you've been in that position. But obviously with that, losing someone comes so much grief and, and so much hurt and so many questions. Can you just give us some tips and maybe three tips for someone who's going through grief, who's just lost someone, just some advice? Yeah, and and it is really hard um, because I know like my mates and like family around that time of grieving like always gave me good support and just like just keeping yourself busy. I'd say that's probably the first one and being around mates, um, trying to keep your mind really busy and off the topics. And then I know the other one is obviously depending how close to the time of it is just but always talking about the good times you had and always focus focusing around those little things and it does and then looking at photos I know sometimes that can be hard but I think for the, like three months straight after um, Dakota I was just always looking at photos always like videos and everything and I know that was really hard but at a point in time I probably like she's still my backdrop now like it, it just always refreshes me because I'm like everything I do I do it for her so I think that there's like little things like that even if you like going through videos and I know some people just can't because it's too rare and it, it affects them but yeah definitely staying around um friends keeping yourself busy um obviously I ended up going back to touch football and Oztag um just so I could have some more like friends and keep myself busy as well around that because I was just playing rugby league, but um, I knew when I went back to Oztag and touch, like it's just a whole new world. I'm like, okay, it's more refreshing as well. And um, like my mates knew like what I was going through, like with Dakota and even through roller coasters when I don't make origin and all that stuff. So it does build up, but um, yeah, I'm still finding ways myself how, how you can deal with it. But yeah, suicide, I know they say it's selfish, but people don't know what's, 
like a behind a smile, what they're going through, what they're getting sent each day or how, how like people take you or like, if like, it's just anxiety as well. Like you just don't know how to express yourself. And you, I like, sometimes I don't want to talk and, but I know I have to, to just get it all out there. But yeah, it, it, it can be selfish if you want to put it as there because I know you'll leave so many people behind. Like she had, like she has left our family behind devastated, but we don't know what's going, what was really going behind her head and we can't fault her for that. Yeah. So you, you mentioned they're talking and how important it is and sometimes you don't want to do it. And I think that's such a common thing mm. with mental health and mental illnesses. One, you can think it's embarrassing. Two, you don't want to put that burden on someone. Three, you just don't even feel like it. You know, yeah. sometimes you can be in a state where just even opening your mouth is an effort. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems even just getting out of bed to talk to someone is an even picking up your phone to text someone is an effort. How important is it to talk and speak out when you aren't feeling your best? Yeah, it's very important. Um, I was on, like, I was talking to my friend on the phone um, last night and I literally, because sometimes I just like go and sit in my car because sometimes just being at home, it's just like, I just, I just need to get out and you just need to go somewhere. If you need to go to like the beach or something, like I like going to a beach and just like relaxing and doing that. And then I was on the phone and then my friend like knows, like I just shut off. And then she's like, you need to speak. But I was like, no. And then she's like, or have your other friends, like your footy friends, like spoken to you? And I was like, yeah, but I say I'm fine because I don't want to put it on them. Like that's not their problem. I don't want to put my problems onto them because I want them to focus on what they're doing, like with their footy and their life. Not, And that's where I can see how it, like the depression is because I know myself I do that because I don't want to put my problems on someone, even though I know they're there to help me, but I feel like a burden and I'm sometimes embarrassed to have one, how I want to say or what I want to let out, but and I just feel, yeah, I do feel weak sometimes when I do it, yeah. That's such a hard thing to sort of balance as well. What, if you can think about sort of yourself for a minute, what would it take? Like what would someone say for you then to open up? Yeah, I think um, just let it out. Like you just have to literally, I know it's cliche, but just talk. Like you literally just have to get it off your shoulders and then you'll feel so much better. And I think once I'm like, start talking and even who you've got to talk to who you're comfortable with first so if you have a really good mate or best mate or even cousin sister brother whoever you just got to literally talk to them and who you trust and just get it all out it doesn't have to be all at once it can be in blocks it can be okay I told her that that's fine that's one one thing off my shoulders and then the next time it might come around but there I know there is little triggers like even myself I get triggers and even from the other side of that I know something we've spoken about quite a lot on this podcast and something that I've just learned from speaking to people is it's hard to ask someone else because you don't know how to deal with it if they come back and they pour their heart out to you. But one thing I know I've learned and I know that we've spoken about doing mental health first aid courses and things like that is all you have to do is listen most of the time. You know, you don't even have to Mm. have an answer, but just like you said, getting it off your shoulders and getting it off your chest is instantly, like you can literally feel like lighter like Mm. and and such a relief. So I know that's a big thing. And if if you are scared to to ask your mate because you don't know how he's going to respond and you Mm. think something's wrong, you don't know how to deal with it when he comes back to you is just simply listen and be there. And you know, you're not a professional. You don't have to be. That's not why they're speaking to Mm. you for. So, you know, there's so many good uh, avenues you can go down our headspace, the Black Dog Institute, Lifeline, things like that. Once you finish that conversation, if they're still not feeling good, then you can recommend these things. But I guarantee you a lot of the time a simple conversation can can fix a lot of those problems because I know we've – so we're we're obviously good mates doing this and sometimes we call each other and say (laughs) things and we get off the phone and I'm just like, I can't believe I even just said that. You know what I mean? I'll call him back or he'll call me back and be like, 
uh, can you just ignore? Can you just like ignore that we ever had that conversation? Yeah. I can't believe I was so caught yeah. up in my own head about those things. Are definitely holding on inside you as well, and you don't know how big they are holding on inside you. So, um, yeah, especially around like good mates and everything. If you can have those conversations and, um, yeah, just speak, and it obviously comes down to who you trust as well. But I think as well, like what you were saying, Paddy, that's why young men particularly don't do it mm-hmm. because they're worried about that sort yeah. of everything coming on top and that, oh no, we're going to get emotional. Mm. And it's like, I think that's why, that's why we started the podcast Yeah, yeah it's because it's okay to, I know it's okay not be okay. It's very cliche, but it's okay mm. to be vulnerable. And I think hopefully young men, men can learn that and can sort of understand that. And hopefully like talking to people like yourself yeah. and like the guests that we've had that that can help. But I think they just don't want to be, no one wants to be seen as vulnerable. No one yeah. wants to be seen as having experienced something that's different from yeah. someone else. And I definitely like, know like that with like, man, I've got a couple of good mates and when, like, if you go to the pub and they start like saying things, but then they laugh it off, but it's like, they're probably actually yeah. really hurting those other things. Yeah. And I know that. And I know like women, like we're probably good at communicating and expressing our feelings. And I know men aren't and they just hold it in because they want to be strong and they, they don't want to be like vulnerable or like show be embarrassed um or like I know like myself like the other day I was just walking my dog and I was listening like to no music at all and then I don't, I'm not a cryer like I never cry I think like obviously the last time I probably oh the grand final the grand final <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but emotionally like when I'm upset or anything I don't don't cry at all my friends are like just let it out I'm like I actually can't cry and yeah the other day I Two days ago, I was just walking my dog and I was just thinking about everything that's going on in my life right now. And I just started having tears and I'm like, wow, what the hell? And I'm like, okay, I know I'm at this point in my life. I just need to really work on myself and get myself better because at the end of the day, football isn't everything I know, yeah. but it does affect as much. Yeah. Did you feel a bit better after you had a cry? I did, but I was like, I'm just still like, I was still in such a like down mood and I'm like... So crying supposed to help or <laughs> does it help? But nah, I was like, oh my God, I actually just started crying walking my dog. <laughs> but yeah, it is what it is. But just going back to why we started, like you mentioned, I think another reason is, and why we try to get high profile people like yourself and athletes is for youth who obviously you're a role model and other people we've had on are role models. And if there's someone growing up who, you know, you look at rugby league and you're just saying how tough and how intense it is. They think, you know, they've got nothing They've got nothing wrong with them. Look how tough they are. But then if they can see people like yourself breaking it down and being vulnerable, then to them it's like, okay, I can do this. Yep. You know, if they can do it, because, you know, when, especially when you're young, you look at these people like yourself and you idolize them, mm. you know, and, and, and if you can do it, then I can do it too. And yep. I think that's a, a big message. Well, I know like like the young generation, because I know like obviously back, going back again, that, that time of Dakota – they, they were 19 and I know one of her best mates, he was 19 and then the girl after Dakota was 19 as well. And I was like, it was just like one after each other. And I'm like, what what's going on? Is it social media? Like, I don't know what it was, but it was just all young people doing it. And I, I know my generation, there wasn't as many suicide um, like deaths, but now it's just gone crazy. And I, I'm not too sure if they, because it is, if it is social media or like they don't want to talk and they bubble so much stuff up or school or yeah, anything and don't know how there are, there are statistics on that. And obviously it's not just social media, but mm. since I think 2007 when Facebook 
yep. was introduced, the suicide rate have gone up. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head the, the percentage, but that's definitely a, a mm. cause in it, I think. And again, that is a, another reason we started this was those suicides you speak of were all in the eastern suburbs and we went to school in the east and- yeah. You know, it's just all hit home pretty hard. And we it's we wanted to start a podcast as, as anyone does, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, myself, Lockie, and Luca, the third member. And it was just ridiculous what we were talking about. Something <laughs> stupid. And then the suicide started. Mm. And we thought, you know what, let's do a podcast. But let's make it meaningful, you know. Because, yeah. again, social media, we we found that everyone would post for, say, two weeks celebrating the life, which is amazing. It's great. But then the grand final's on and everyone's posting about the grand yeah. final and then, and then it's gone. So we were just wanted a platform where it's it's relevant all the time. You can always come. It's 24-7. It's a podcast. Um, again, there's a bit of a stigma around mental health. Mm. You know, no one has to know you're listening to yeah. a podcast. No one has to know what it's about. So I think that that's a big reason as to as to why too. I think, yeah, with the social media, I think a lot of it would be about expectation mm. and expecting to feel good all the time. I know I find myself like if I'm feeling bad, even if I, I, a big thing for me is exercise. If I exercise in the morning, I'm normally yeah. have a really good day. But you know, some days exercise and I just don't really feel it. I'm like, oh, why am I feeling that way? But yeah, it's normal to not be okay every day. It's normal to not be bouncing up and down. I think we need to normalize that. Like people think, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not incredibly happy. It's like, well, mm. a lot of people are just in that boat of just going about their day-to-day life. So that was another thing. And I think the social media, obviously you're comparing yourself yeah to what you're saying and that's obviously not reality and i mean how many people have you spoken to the last couple of weeks like oh, i wish i was in europe yeah. oh my god in Vaucluse, if i had a dollar for everyone said i wish i was in europe like, I know, okay. I yeah. Know. Yeah, but you're in sydney so <laughs> yeah. buckle up yeah you just got to be kind to yourself i think yeah. i think it's the biggest thing we mentioned before about the steps that nrl and nrlw need to take to professionalize the women's game what does that look like for you is that better salary so that it can be your only job or is it you know better training better equipment what is it yeah definitely um i guess that is um our goal obviously to be full-time athletes um to be paid full-time and um and obviously working hard for that but the nrl have been so supportive and um and which what they're doing is they're not rushing they're not rushing anything i i know we had to work the um depth underneath us um, because once all these teams start coming in and if we have like every single club as a team, then we need to have those uh, enough girls to be playing that high level quality on TV as well. So um, definitely, yeah, not rushing it, but uh, I definitely in the future, yes, um, more money in- involved with it. Like obviously if we become full-time um, athletes, definitely with the money and each year is getting um, so much better with the with the money. So um, we're very thankful, and where we are now, we're very spoiled as spoiled as well. Um, like you get so much uniform, we get paid everything. We're like little flights and everything included. Um, so yeah, and we're playing on the big stadiums. Like obviously, this NRLW be playing before the men's NRL. So, um, but even going back on the first NRLW season this year, where we're all just standalone games, and then we had triple headers as the girls. That was fantastic as well, and we got the support and the views on the TV were unreal as well. So, um, but I think yeah, just keep working on the pathways, um, which is really good even in the rural areas like the country and everything um there's so many girls out there playing and I think that's what we need to do and not rush into just throwing all these teams out there because then once we get up there I know like some teams like struggle to fill in some positions because some girls haven't even played opens yet like so it's a massive jump as well so but yeah time I think if we take our time definitely so we did do some fan questions okay 
Um, and I have to say, it is clearly the most we got yeah, for definitely. any oh, really? yeah. guest by far. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh-huh. I guess the one I loved the most, we'll start it off with it was, thanks for everything you give to footy. Love your work, sis. How do you feel about the support that you get? Yeah, so these are the ones that obviously keep me in the game and keep me doing what I love because I get so many supportive messages. Um, Sometimes, yes, I don't get back to some people, um, but I do see all of them and I'm very thankful. But all these messages, like don't compare, like I get probably a couple of negative ones and they do get me down. But then I see all these positive and all the support that I'm getting with my fans and family and friends and I'm like, I can't compare those negative ones to these because like I'm literally like so lucky to be doing what I'm doing and making people so happy just because what I'm doing. And um, yeah, I'm just very grateful to be um, where I am now and helping people like to come up and expire the next generation as well. Our next one is from Jesse Godfrey. Now, Jesse's a big St. George fan. <laughs> Hate to break it to you, Jesse, but we're Roosters fans. So. <laughs> 54-26. 54-26. Yeah. <laughs> you don't turn off the podcast, but no, we, we really appreciate your support, brother, and your question. But he he wanted to ask, what is the highlight of your career so far, Maddie? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, thanks, Jesse. But yeah, there's there's obviously so many, but I'd I'd definitely have to go down to um uh captaining in the New South Wales and um winning at North Sydney Oval and and then obviously, like the following year, I got the um, Nelly Doherty um, Awards. So those are pretty massive in my career. Um, I guess like any awards that you get, you're really proud and um, you can't go past them. But yeah, even with the Gillaroos as well, um, the World Cup, even though I didn't play that game, um, I was still part of the squad and you win it all at once. So um, yeah, there's many um, big moments in my career, but yeah, I would have to say a couple of them. One from um, Alexandra Ella. How do you stay mentally healthy? Good question. Good question. I thought it is. Um, yeah, it's just obviously going back to like just keeping active. Um, I love going to training. I love going to training with my mates. Um, definitely all my best mates are from rugby league. So, um, and that definitely helps. And then obviously going, like I like going to the beaches or like I got a little cavoodle dog. So I like going to the beach and going <laughs> walks with him. But, um, but yeah, just being active and talking and, um, yeah, be, being around a good circle of people. All right. This one is from Brooke. And Brooke wanted to ask, advice for young girls trying to come up to league? Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, definitely um, get involved. Um, listen to every all the feedback that comes along with whatever coaches you have. Um, Taking everything, ask questions. Um, asking questions isn't um, embarrassing or isn't a bad thing. Like you rather people ask questions than not ask anything and then not too sure what you're doing. So, um, but definitely doing, um, working hard off the field and outside of training as well, doing all the one percenters, um, the extras as well. And they always make up for it. Another one here from Johnny McCoy. Thanks Johnny. Uh, (laughs) who is your favorite men's footy player to watch or men's and women's? Okay. My men's favorite, um, would have to be Cam Murray, like We're so good, South so supporter, good. and um, obviously grew up in the same area. We played for the same club, but he's been playing unreal football. Um, obviously, with South, he holds that middle pack, and he does so much work that probably not, not many people realize how much work he does, and he holds that team. So, um, but yeah, he, he's my favorite. Um, and in the women's, um, there's so many, but I love um, I love obviously watching Tamika Upton. Um, she's really good to watch. And then obviously, um, 
Tiana Pelotani. Um, yeah, I yeah, love she's... when she's outside me. I just love her as a, as my center. And um, yeah, we play really well with each other. And um, she's one of my best friends, and she's always so supportive. So yeah, she's one of my idols. She's a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <she's> a... <laughs> we'll do we'll do one more, and that was who do you not want to run up against when you're playing personally? I would hate to run against uh, Hannah Southwell. Yeah. She is a beast. Yeah, there's literally a couple of them. Hannah, um, Samama Taufa, uh, Millie Boyle, Chelsea, all those ones. Um, Amber Hall. She's yeah, but um, yeah, they're they're the um, machine house, houses. So you definitely try and put the footwork or just run that <laughs> away from them. <laughs> but um, yeah, they they do a fantastic job in the middle, and um, yeah, they whack people. <laughs> Good luck whoever runs into them. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your goals now moving forward? Yeah, my goals are obviously um, keep working hard. Um, obviously, it depends whatever happens for this year, throughout the end of the, this year. Um, I'll just keep working behind the scenes. And then um, obviously next year, there's the NRL W League game with our four teams entering and um, Cronulla Sharks are in it. So obviously just getting to the grand final for the Harvey Norman, um, I'd love to get to a grand final in the NRL Premiership and um, actually win it. <laughs> so that is definitely a goal because Cronulla Sharks have been always supportive for me and um, off the field as well. They're so supportive of my coach, um, Tony Herman and Glenn Braley. Um, they've been uh, two guys in my career that have pushed me to the best and they've always got me back into the game and um, back into rep representative circle as well. So um, I'm so thankful of them too. And, um, yeah, if I can work underneath them again, that would be literally a, a dream come true and what one of my goals I want, I want to do. I just want to, on behalf of Lockie and myself, just thank you for taking the time to join us today. You've got such a positive attitude and, and such a good outlook. And obviously you've gone through some things that no one should go through. And to see you living your life, you know, and making Dakota proud, you know, she was a beautiful person. And congratulations to all you've achieved and all you're going to achieve. And, and thank you very much. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate having me on here. It's been so much fun. And honestly, <laughs> I love like I love how you have this podcast and so people can just talk. Like I just said so much today, I didn't realise I could say it off my shoulders. So thank you go. so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together. <laughs>